Welcome back to a Love Like This podcast. We are so glad you are here. Join us as we share the stories, memories, and messages that help shape not just our lives, but the lives of our incredible guests. Together with some of our amazing friends, inspirations, and teachers, we bring you stories of faith journeys, life lessons, and advice, all centered around building an abundant life. You have a place here, you have a purpose here. So here we go. Well, hello, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's podcast episode. Can we just talk about the weather for a second? Autumn is here. Finally, after all of the rain that we've had, it is a beautiful, beautiful sunny day. Catherine is somebody who Paige and I had written down on a list of dream guests to have uh, so long ago. And this is such a dream come true for us. Mia got to meet her and she's just Oh my goodness. When I think of the word inspiration, Catherine comes to mind. Jay and Catherine recently released a book called Suffer Strong that Abby and I have been reading and it is like... Oh, it's so amazing. (laughs) It's so good. So a little bio on Jay and Catherine. They are originally from the South. They met in college and married and moved to Los Angeles. Catherine miraculously survived a catastrophic stroke. After a 16-hour brain surgery, 40 days in the ICU, a year in neuro rehab and 11 operations, she continues her recovery to this day. So since 2008, they've been disrupting the myth that joy can only be found in a pain-free life. They speak at events, they sell books, and they have a thriving online community, and they do a Hope Hills camp for families affected by disabilities. Guys, I hope you enjoy this episode. Get, like, pull out your tissues, (laughs) pull out a notebook and a pen, and enjoy. You are so sweet. Well, Catherine Wolf is a mother of two, a 13-year-old and a five-year-old, and happily married for 16 years now. And, you know, really interestingly about Catherine Wolf is she is fully disabled. So I don't drive. I walk a little, but mainly use a wheelchair. And I um, can't use one of my hands. And pretty dramatic um, because I'm kind of a normal mom, but then, you know, I also am extremely impaired um, and yet still life is um, amazing. I have written with my husband two books Mm -hmm. and we have an incredible ministry. Yay, Yay. it's amazing. Um, Oh, thank you. We um, have an incredible ministry. We have a camp for families with disabilities and speak around the country and just do a lot of really cool stuff that would have never happened had I not had a stroke. Yes, I love it. Thank you for sharing. Um, We have two copies of Suffer Strong in our house and we are telling everyone to go get a copy because this book is incredible. Um, could you just talk to us a little bit more in detail about yours and Jay's story? Absolutely. Now, is is the book for sale in Australia? Yeah, I yeah. Know yes. That. Yep. That's so cool. Like, yep. like Amazon Australia. Is that like it's a, on Amazon. It's in a. We have a Christian bookstore locally, and um, yeah, we got it from there. It's definitely here. I totally, I totally didn't know that. That's so cool. I <laughs> yeah, love it's so that. good. But yeah. So good. Yeah, in a nutshell, and in our first book, Hope Heals, we talk a a lot about the details, but basically, 
as a 26-year-old um, young mom, six-month-old baby in the next room um, with no warning, no symptoms, no medical history, nothing. I had a massive brainstem stroke and very nearly died out of nowhere. And subsequently, after a massive surgery and just tremendous obstacles, did survive, but um, became severely disabled afterwards. And I had to relearn to do everything, to eat and speak and walk everything after the stroke. And um, I've recovered tremendously, much more than any doctor thought was possible. And I've gone on to have a second baby now, John, who's five, and um, relearn to do all the things they said I'd never do again, like eat food and walk, even though I can't walk far, and live. I mean, it was unknown if I would be able to live normally again, breathe on my own. Mm. And um, all of that and more has happened. Mm, and wow. God gets all the glory for sure. Yeah. Catherine, I love when you were talking about um, your second son, the story, the God story of his middle name came to mind. Do you just want to yes. share that quickly? Because I love that story. His whole name. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that story too. <laughs> so John Nestor. Wolf is his name, and it is very, very special because the name John has such significance to us. The name John means the Lord has been faithful, and he has mm-hmm. been so faithful. And my favorite passage from the book of John is John 9, 3, where a disciple, I think, asked Jesus, why was this man born blind? And Jesus says, so that the works of God might be displayed in him. And that is our Mm. prayer for our John, that the works of God would be displayed in him. Mm. And John's middle name, Nestor, is for my neurosurgeon, Nestor Gonzalez, who saved my life Mm. and gave me a second chance at living. And we prayed that when John tells the story of his name, he'll be able to testify Mm -hmm. to the power of God using the hands of that surgeon that he's named after to save my life. And what is just really crazy is that we did not know at the time, Mm. but Nestor in Hebrew means seeker of miracles. So we gave our child this name that means seeker of miracles. And it's just absolutely astounding that this little flesh and bone miniature adult (laughs) is, is, you know, coming down the stairs of my house every day. And I'm looking at him thinking that this is the gospel story. This is the embodiment of my faith. And it is, it's truly a gift to have John Nestor in our lives. Oh, wow, Catherine. Catherine, so in relation to your story, I wanted to pull something that Jay actually wrote in the prologue of Suffer Strong. And he said, um, as much as we recoil from suffering, it has the potential to show us who we are and who God is in ways that dramatically alter the way we live our lives. And like, I know this may be a really broad question, but through this story that you experienced of real suffering, um, in what ways did it change the way you see God, yourself, the world, and the people within it? Oh, absolutely. You know, because of such 
hard suffering, mm-hmm. um, I'm more intimately acquainted with Christ, but also the suffering side of Christ, the suffering Savior. And so, you know, we we don't have a high priest who can't relate to what we are going through. Instead, we have a Savior who's been through it all on earth, embodied human flesh, came, suffered greatly. So we can, as Hebrews 12, 3 says, consider him who endured such opposition so that we will not grow weary or lose heart. And I think that is the deep encouragement. And as Romans 5 talks about, I think it's Romans 5, 3 through 5, that suffering can produce perseverance and perseverance character and character hope and hope will never disappoint because God's love has been poured into our hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit who is within us. And that that notion that deep suffering can, in fact, very strangely, very otherworldly, produce a perseverance, a character that ultimately leads you to hope. And I think it's all about when you've been taken low, there's nowhere to look but up. So it's almost clarifying that when you're really down and bad suffering, you almost have to turn to something or someone and you, you end up looking straight up at God and going, I need you in this moment, God. I need you to be right here with me. And then you have the deep encouragement of knowing that he suffered these same atrocities of all kinds. And what is so cool is you know you've got what it takes inside of you because you know Jesus to suffer well. You've got the peace and the joy and the comfort of Him around you. I've heard it said that when you're in the deep darkness, it simply means you're in the shadow of His wings. You're being held by Psalm 91 idea that He's covering you. And that's why it may feel dark, but He's all around the darkness. And I think that's so beautiful. Oh, so beautiful, Catherine. So you speak a lot about um, this idea of everybody has invisible wheelchairs and that from the outside, it may seem that living life in a wheelchair um, is like is seen as a limitation, but you say that it has offered you a life of flourishing, not just in spite of your constraints, but because of them. Why do you have this perspective? Right. First of all, I absolutely think we all have invisible wheelchairs. You know, I'm the one in the physical wheelchair, but everybody's got wheelchairs inside of them. Everybody has things that are messed up, not okay, mental illness, things you would never see, eating disorders. Mm. The list goes on and on. So much pain that you wouldn't necessarily see. So I have mine, some of it at least on the outside of my body that you do see. I have other stuff you don't see, pain inside. Mm-hmm. But I have this wheelchair on the outside, and I believe we all have them. And why did you ask us the second part of the question? Um, why do you have that perspective that, like, you being in a wheelchair isn't a limitation, but it's a way that you experience freedom and you flourish within Absolutely. It? Yeah. Yes, yes. Because the wheelchair is actually my avenue to freedom. The wheelchair mm-hmm. enables me to get out in the world and go. It enables me to get into the room. It is the vehicle by which I am able to do my life. And I think 
that translates to everybody, mm-hmm. that the place of their breaking can actually be the place of their flourishing if they have eyes to see it that way. Mm, so good. It's actually funny that you mentioned Romans 5, 3 to 5 before, because I had it written down that I do believe yeah. that yours and Jay's and your family story echoes that passage. Oh, so evidently, I love that you said that. Oh, Absolutely. Yes. I love that passage. Oh, it's such a great pa- passage. And I think it's so contradictory to the world that we're living in that how can suffering possibly produce something good? And I love that that's right. something that you preach on. And one of the things that I love that you say is that even through our suffering, you know, you and Jay, like you put out hope for the world. That's why you run Hope Hills Camp. That's why you do what you do. And so I wonder if you could tell us, why do you think it's so important that humans in this world, like why is it so important to have hope and to hold on to hope? And then you can talk a little bit about Hope Hills Camp because I love it. Oh, uh, Sure. Well, goodness, when hope is all you have, you realize hope is all you need to get out of bed in the morning, that without hope, we give up. Without hope, there's no chance of surviving life's tragedies. And I believe that hope is this lifeline. You know, they say hope is believing in advance what will only make sense in reverse. And I love that so much that Mm. somehow... God deeply encourages us as we hope in him to press on throughout our hard stories. And we see this every day at Hope Hills Camp times a thousand. We have people coming from all over the United States, 35 different states, and actually from the UK as well. Maybe we'll have some Australia folks. Oh, one we're going to be volunteering. The we second. would love that. Yep. We would love that. We'll be there. And basically what we have found, and it's so wild that this happens, so bizarre, is that when you gather a group of people who have disabilities of all different kinds, wheelchairs everywhere, people talking to themselves, amputees, stroke victims, the like, all kinds of problems and pain. Mm. Somehow there is this bizarre freedom Mm. that comes because no one's trying to pretend everything is okay anymore. Everything is not okay and never will be. And that's your starting point. So there's this shared sigh of relief, like, oh, I found my tribe. I'm not trying to fit in and be perfect and pretend everything is all together. I like to say that we perfectly get to disrupt the myth that there's only joy found in a pain-free life because that is not remotely true. Mm. There is pain in our lives, but there's also joy in our life if we have eyes to see it that way. So beautiful. Um, Catherine, I pulled this quote. Um, I saw it on Pinterest and I loved it so much. Um, it's not rock bottom failures that spur lasting changes. Rather, it's finding love at the bottom with us that changes everything. Could you unpack this quote for us? Because I think it's such a beautiful reminder of how God does give beauty for ashes. Absolutely. Mm. Do you know who wrote it? I love that. that there's no. love at the rock. So go ahead. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know who wrote it, but I think it was. Oh, from- I don't either. But I, I love it. Oh. I don't think was it. Maybe it was um, in Suffer Strong. Actually, possibly. Yeah, probably. It probably was, or maybe it was. Maybe it was Jay. Yeah, I love that you pulled that though, because isn't mm. that the deep truth? Yes. That 
at the very bottom of our terrible suffering, we find God and can cling to him in it. And yes. somehow that makes it more okay. I'm not remotely saying, oh, it's just fine to suffer terrible, horrible atrocities and mm-hmm. get your rock bottom. It's awful. Yeah. But when you find God there, there's this bizarre safety net you feel that he's somehow at work and taking care of you mm-hmm. and working beyond anything that you can ever understand that God is is crafting a bigger story with your life than this one moment where you thought you really had to make a great life and that was it but instead God's like there are chapters in your story and there are hard chapters and hard seasons but it's a good story that I'm writing yes actually it was a quote that you said I think it may have been in Stevie and Suzanne Hendricks podcast or Rebecca Lowen's podcast I don't remember I've listened to all the ones you've been in but you said I love that yes (laughs) you said history is his story and if you have eyes to see it that way and I never saw I never got that before until you said that, sir. Oh, yes, that is the truth. History, the very word, it's his story. Absolutely. I don't know where I said that either, but I'm glad you listened to it. (laughs) Yeah, we loved it so much. Catherine, I want to ask you because I sometimes fall into this as well, and I think I'm surrounded by people, oh man, every day that have this sort of attitude that, you know, you know, that kind of stuck mentality, like I'm stuck in today and uh, I've got suffering happening and, and they fall into this, this trap almost of having a victim mentality. What would you say to someone who has a victim mentality? Like how could they escape it? Well, we are not the victim of our story Mm. and we love to play the victim but we are with overcomer of this story if we have eyes to see it that way. And honestly, what is so crazy is I don't know about in Australia if it's this way, but in certain regions of the United States and certain denominations, there is most definitely the presence of a victim mentality faith that. Yeah. We're beggars showing beggars where the bread is, and we're mm. sinners saved by grace. And they let it stop there. Yeah. And all of that is totally true. However, when you have Jesus Christ in your life, you have been given the equipment you need to turn away from the temptation in front of you to go another direction. So you are not a victim of any mentality. Mm-hmm. You have the power of Jesus Christ in you to turn away from it. Yeah. So you're quite literally the opposite of the yeah. victim of your story because of the deep equipping that he gives. I love, what is that passage in 2 Peter 1, 3, that his divine power has given us everything that we need mm-hmm. for life and godliness, according to him who's called us by his own glory and goodness that he's given us everything we need to fight the good fight and the good story that he's writing. And what is tragic about the victim mentality is it makes it all about you. It's super Mm self-focused and it's just perpetuating further a miserable self that gets you nowhere. So good. Catherine, I know this could be, you could answer this question with so many different answers, Um, but what is one verse that has carried you through this process of surviving anything by redefining everything? Oh, wow. That is hard (laughs) to to say. There's so many verses 
that I cling to and love. Let me think. I would probably say Ephesians 4.1. No, I, I mean, I love Ephesians 4.1. <laughs> and I know that he's given me a, a life worthy of the calling I've received. That's a great one. Yes. However, what I would say is Isaiah 45.3 is such a beautiful verse that says, I will give you hidden treasure in the darkness Riches stored in secret places so that you may know that I am God, the God of Israel, the God who calls you by name. Mm. I love the thought that when we have to go to the deep darkness in our lives, which all of us do at various points, that there is a special treasure hidden there. Mm. that we do not get in normal life when we are in mm. the, the good times and the yeah. light times, not the darkness. We don't get this treasure. We only find this special hidden treasure in the secret places when we are in deep, terrible darkness yeah. and suffering. And then here's what's so beautiful about that. Then we have that treasure and we get to cherish it mm. and hold it tight and walk with it throughout the rest of our lives. So it is cultivating in us a character that we move forward with because we've been to the darkness. So I love Isaiah 45, three. Mm, that's so amazing. Catherine, I know I asked you to speak, I guess, to the person with a victim mentality, but would you just speak to somebody who maybe is listening and who is in a season of like the things that we we're talking about, the things unseen, the things that from an outside people won't know are actually there, but definitely seen from God. Things like anxiety, things like depression, just in a season of sadness. And like I said before, they're stuck in this season of suffering and sadness. What is some encouragement that you could bring to that person's heart? Oh, goodness. I, I think what is most encouraging in any and all issues of mental health or mm. the things that are unseen, because those honestly are like extraordinarily isolating because no one can see that you're going through them. No one has any idea of your terrible struggles. I love the thought that God is always doing something new mm. in our stories all the time. He is the God that makes all things new. And while he's making all things new, he is near to the brokenhearted and those crushed in spirit. So he's so with us in our stuff and carrying us somewhere new at the same time. And mm -hmm. that is the deepest comfort I think we could feel as humans, that mm -hmm. we are not alone, that someone knows us in our pain, in our shame, and is not leaving, is mm -hmm. staying with us in it, being present for it and moving us out of it. Mm, so beautiful. So good, Catherine. Catherine, I just have one last question. <laughs> um, Absolutely. So through everything that like you and Jay have experienced and this whole journey that God, you know, has put you through, what would you say to like people? And I know I need to hear this as well. How can we walk every day with that joyful mentality? Like what would you say is something that we could do? And I know praying, we obviously can do and everything like that, but with the the mundane things that we have to do or all our to-do list and everything like that. How can we walk each day knowing that we are a child of God? You know what I mean? And we have this access to this abundant way of living. Absolutely. Goodness, I I have I, I feel a deep sense 
and I, I know this is true actually, mm-hmm. that what happens to us in life isn't nearly as important as how we respond to what happens in us in life. So much of our lives is about how we think about our lives. Mm-hmm. And we need to talk about that more. Yeah. That What's happening between our ears, our minds, is what really matters. Mm. If we have an attitude where we are giving ourselves the biggest pity party and feeling so sad with our story, then we're going to really hate it. Mm. There's no joy in that. But if we are living each day with gratitude, recognizing this is a gift that God has given me. I am on an assignment from him to do the good work that he has called me to, Mm -hmm. to the end, that greater is he that is in me than he who is in the world. I am believing that story. Of course, I'm filled with joy. Mm -hmm. I may have been through some hard stuff, but I'm here. Mm -hmm. I'm living out the dream. My life is amazing. And when you start living that way, your life can't help but just wake up to that, to the goodness of God in the land of the living. So good. Wow. I need, thank you, Catherine. I, I needed that. And I know a lot of people listening would have gained so much inspiration and so much encouragement by everything that you had to say. I'm so thankful that I got the privilege to speak with you today. It was such an honor. We have a we have a uh, list of dream podcast guests that we had at the beginning of last year and Catherine Wolf is the top one. Oh, <laughs> uh, y'all are so precious. And I love it so much that you're in Australia. It yeah. is just such a cool moment to be interviewing with people who are literally across the yeah, world. I know. And because you're because you guys are in Atlanta, aren't you? We are in Atlanta, Georgia. If you're ever over here, call me and listen. What is so beautiful about the body of Christ is that we're so connected. Right. We literally across the world. Yes. It's the same Jesus on both both sides of the pond. So crazy. And it's a it's a pleasure to speak with you both. Y'all are like super young, aren't you? We're 19. <laughs> You, you look like you're, yeah, about <laughs> 19. That beautiful skin, that amazing complexion, I can tell. And uh, to, see, to see young girls really walking with the Lord and clinging to Him is so smart. I did that. I was mm. like you when I was 19. And it has meant amazing things for my life. My yeah. life was not destroyed when I had a stroke. Mm. It wasn't that my, my life totally fell apart. It was... No, this is a crazy story, but Jesus is writing this story Mm. and God's carrying me through this. And so I want to encourage you both that do not let anyone look down on you because you are young, but instead be an example to them. I think it's in the Bible somewhere Mm -hmm. that God is always calling you to be an example in your faith and you're living that. I love it. Well, guys, I'm really thankful that everybody got to meet Catherine and get a little insight into her story, her life, what her and Jay are spending their time doing now. Catherine is literally, oh my goodness, our inspiration. We love her so much. And I'm so thankful that we got the chance to speak with her today. I hope that you guys got some wisdom and some goodness um, out of it and how, yeah, you can just hold on to hope now and suffer strong because hope truly does heal. Bless you. See you guys next week. (laughs) 